Welcome to Room for Growth, a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. All right. Welcome to Room for Growth. Billy's got her cell phone out and she's looking at her phone while we record. That's a bad sign. Well, I have a question for you. I mean, welcome back to all of our guests. But as you know, it is (laughs) mid-September, which means I have a very important question for you, Billy. Are you a house that decorates for Halloween? Oh, gosh. This is going to reveal too much about my personal life. I tend to be a, a holiday seasonal decor grouch altogether. Like I just don't want to do... I guess Christmas would be the one exception. So most certainly not. We are like not a big Halloween house. What about you? I always want to be a big Halloween house. Like I always want to like decorate my porch and do something like wild. Like I just love, love decorations. I like the candles inside. I like the spooky vibes. I think the like skulls and crossbones are quietly sort of my aesthetic. So I really like Halloween stuff. I just don't own any. And it always feels like a strange thing. Like I want to spend money on it because I think it's cool. But then it's like such a like strange time of year. But I like love horror movies. I'm huge on Christmas. By the time Christmas comes around, then I get my act together. Same. And then I decorate for Christmas. My wife has visions of me one day being Chevy Chase on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and decorating the whole house like crazy. But I live in an old house and my house is spooky enough. So no Halloween vibes. But welcome room for growth. We're not talking about decorations today. We should like have somebody on from a home decor brand and, and learn about the seasonal yeah, lifestyle aspects marketing. of digital mm. marketing there. That's a good topic. But today we have a guest from a platform that we've said over and over again, we're pretty transparent that we really like our big fans of the Braze platform and do a lot of work for that and that platform for our clients. And we'll get into why. So we have Matt McRoberts from Braze on the podcast today. And something that we kind of flirt with uh, when we're talking to Matt is this topic of cross-channel messaging. And Billy, this is probably kind of irks up a lot of passion with us because so many brands are stuck in this. They look at email, SMS, and whatever channel push as these kind of different siloed off strategies. And sometimes, we were talking about analytics doing this previously, But sometimes like the tech team who's building the app handles the push stuff. And then the marketing team, because that's been their traditional thing, they handle email. It's a terrible idea. And so we're like anti that. And we're out here in the world just like kicking those walls down, trying to get people to think the right way. Why don't you talk about what you think the right way is? A hundred percent. Yeah, you are right. We have so many clients. There's so many businesses right now who are living in an operational and technology nightmare, which is that typically they have some kind of tech platform that's probably also in charge of like their point of sale system or another key component to their conversion experience and how they process receding and conversions. And that platform, which already has one really important function to it, at some point said, you know what we should also do? Send push notifications or worse, we should send SMS from our platform. And so then we have a lot of clients who start sending either their push notifications or the SMS through the same platform that empowers their like point of sale system, or maybe it empowers their loyalty system. And so they've brought single channels out of that platform. And almost always, you're right, it's a product team launching those messages instead of a marketing team. And those teams don't even talk to each other. So they have a totally separate strategy for push or for SMS 
or even worse for both push and SMS, they each have their own strategy and they each have a different team sending messages out of those platforms. And then they probably have had an email team for five years, 10 years, 20 years since the inception of their business. And so email is a completely different powerhouse beast with a different platform. Sometimes email CRM is much more powerful than SMS or push. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're working in a CRM system that was never really built to capture phone numbers, which seems like a strange thing. But you know, the advent of push and SMS messaging is relatively new. So that just may not have been data they thought about capturing natively for a long time. And so we find these brands where not only do they not have a combined content calendar, but they can't send messages that trigger intelligently to what channels people actually want to receive messages on first. And they can't build any kind of journey that involves logic where you launch email, then push, then in that message, then SMS. And you can't take people out of messages if they already responded to one of those channels or another. And it is my favorite set of problems to unravel. It's like just that, it's that like knot of yarn that you picture or a huge like knot of cords where you're like, okay, let's unravel these things, set them all next to each other in a nice row. And we're going to just, we're going to start over here. Yeah. It's like an episode of hoarders or something coming in and cleaning up, doing a lot of the dirty work. But there's, this is a, I feel like a low hanging fruit opportunity for a lot of big brands, medium-sized brands who have probably been at it for a while doing the same thing and they're not really sure, you know, it's kind of like hoarding. You kind of have this big mess and you're like, oh gosh, what would Mm -hmm. it take to actually clean all this up? And it's really not that bad. So at the basic level though, you talked about journey, kind of journey orchestration. What do you think is the best place for a brand to start before we get into platform selection? Because certainly there's platforms that empower this, but from a journey and figuring out, okay, when should we be sending a certain type of message via a certain channel? How do you think brands could potentially start this at a really basic level? So this might, and maybe it's just because I'm fired up right this second, (laughs) but I think if we had a few biblical covenants in our growth practice, one of them would be, do not silo the messaging, like thy messaging, do not silo thy messaging. Thou shall not. Thou shalt not silo thy messaging. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Somewhere pastor of mine is very upset that I don't know how to speak King James anymore, but it's a covenant. So I do actually think this is one of those places where technology may be part of your starting point. We actually do have some clients where when we get into what they're sending via SMS, push email through separate platforms, it's not terrible. It just needs to all exist semi together. So this is one of the few places where starting with technology is sometimes not terrible. If at the moment you're using two, three, four different systems to do this. But then where you really start is even at a high level, think about your customer journey. Just think about the basic phases of it. There's some really common phases to think about. There's generally activation when somebody is coming to you for the first time and they are giving you their information in exchange for something. They're giving you their email address. They're giving you potentially their phone number. Maybe they're downloading an app and they're willing to give you quite a bit of information about themselves. They're enabling these different channels. Activation is an important phase in and of itself. Then, of course, there's onboarding when you're telling them about your brand and who you are and you are promising not to inundate them with message is please upfront always. So then there's onboarding. Then there's, of course, just like basic ongoing engagement. What do you need to do to keep them engaged with your brands? For some brands, that's a really billboard sort of style phase of life where you're telling them what new products are available or what they could potentially purchase. For some brands, that's a really behaviorally responsive stage in life cycle. 
There's almost always monetization messages. Sometimes you have to think about like subscription tier and what you do for your subscribers or for your loyalty members. But think about all of those different phases of a lifecycle journey and walk through what are some of the core needs of your customers at each phase? What behaviors or actions can they take with your brand that you might want to respond to? So just Mm -hmm. labeling out what are those potential actions they could take that you would want to know that they took because you'd want to have a conversation with them in that moment. And then the last thing you do is you start to think about what channels might you want to use to speak to them. More channels, the better. I always like to just take a full separate conversation to talk generally about channel strategy. In-app message is a really great channel. There's lots of different things that you can do with in-app messages. You can make them super unique. You can treat that channel in special ways. It can also just be a mimic of email. Sometimes that's important. You want to bring some of the same information in those two places because of how people interact with their email inbox versus their app inbox. SMS, unique channel. You're going to want to be thoughtful about SMS because it's the first place people will unsubscribe. Push, entirely different platform. So I do think it's worth spending a little bit of time thinking about the strategy in each channel and then thinking about what those conversational messages look like together. Yeah. And what do you think about, like, try to think about brands, you know, we we don't know the the tech stack and kind of like the, it's hard to audit a full, a brand's full messaging journey unless you really, really experience. But one thing I see with D2C brands that are particularly in like the kind of apparel area or even not just true D2C brands, they all seem to use the same strategy, which is, hey, give us your cell phone number and we'll give you a coupon right now for whatever off. and. If you're intending to buy, everybody does it. And then they seem to overblast you with text messages on a pretty frequent basis. What do you think of that strategy? I was just trying to wrestle with how effective that may or may not be. Certainly effective at getting cell phone numbers from people. Yeah, so I think it is certainly effective. People today expect to receive some kind of value in return for providing personalized information. But I think that brands could be a little bit more clever about how they do it. There's, of course, the straightforward way of give us your email address. Now I've seen it's almost it's always email followed by phone number to get that percentage off, which is potentially a risky strategy. I think that actually frustrates people. It can cause early churn a lot faster, um, especially if they haven't used that coupon. If they haven't made a conversion decision with them and then you start blasting them with SMS, that's a really good way to frustrate them fast. It's not very thoughtful, but it is best practice. So you definitely have to do it. But I think where brands aren't spending enough time is giving special coupons for things like an app download or after the first conversion, then you get something special where they're not thinking far enough through to onboarding across lots of different channels or asking consumers to build out a profile for themselves in a more meaningful way. They're simply just getting that phone number. They're turning around and they're shipping out the very first message that's up in their content calendar. It's sort of like feeding people the next song in your like song queue for Spotify, no matter who they are or what they care about. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of brands that I have positive experiences with, but today we're talking with Matt McRoberts, who um, he gives a few examples of Braze clients, Burger King being one of them that he mentions during our time together uh, that are doing it right. And the platforms that we tend to like follow, I call it a if this, then that type of mentality where you can really blend in your messages to, you know, have them build upon each other or have different channels that you might leverage for different sequences, like you mentioned, like a welcome series. So talk a real quick before we introduce Matt, why we love Braze so much. Well, I think first of all, we choose technology that was made for mobile specifically. So 
I say this all the time. I don't hire people on my growth team who just know Adobe or just know Salesforce or just know HubSpot or just know Braze. That's not the criteria that we use to hire people on our team. We hire people who... And and Adam Greco actually mentioned this a few weeks back when he was talking about the future of um, analytics professionals, that it's important to know what the best practices are for audience segmentation, for personalization, for channel, for how you automate these messages, for HTML, for how you build them, for how you personalize. So I like to hire generalists who really understand how to structure CRM and data. They understand the strategy of these different channels. They understand what the best practices are for how to be responsive and caring and add value. But the reason we choose Braze in particular, so again, we'll work with any client using any CRM that they have. But when a client looks at us and says, who should we be using? And by the way, you're going to launch all of these messages and you're going to be responsible for conversion lift or you're going to be responsible for long-term value growth of our customer base. We say Braze because Braze was built for purpose in the era of mobile. Mobile channels are native to the platform. So push, in-app message, SMS, email, all work together. In addition to that, uh, they also have unique mobile-only channels like content cards. I guess that's not just mobile because you can also do sort of like desktop push or content cards. But they are really innovative in terms of how they think about channel and how you can use all of these different Braze built experiences in a way that feels really native to an app experience. It feels like an extension of the UI of an app. And then you can launch these messages intelligently in a way that optimizes towards individual personal preference. So for instance, if Billy never opens SMS, we can launch these messages in a way that isn't going to send Billy an SMS first. It's going to send push first or send email. You can also launch them intelligently so that if somebody responds to one message or another, you don't send them the next in a series. Or if they take the intended conversion action, you don't send them the next set of messages. So you don't keep inundating them. And then beyond that, you can just really personalize the content of these messages. You can build out unique things like connected contents. You can make creative updates across all of your email modules for um, certain types of creative. And then you can just keep consistency across these channels as well. Yeah. So great platform. That's why we choose it. Yep. And our clients love it. We love it. And you'll see Matt is uh, a guy that I wish we were just having a beer rather than talking over a a podcast over the screen. Great guy that uh, we're excited to have on the podcast today. So let's move to our interview with Matt McRoberts from Braze. All right, Matt McRoberts, thank you for joining us on the podcast, Room for Growth. We are so grateful for your time today. And uh, before we get too far, Billy and I have got a lot of questions, but it's your birthday. So happy birthday, Matt. For those of our, our listeners who also are watching video, yes, Billy is wearing a hat with Matt's face on it. So <laughs> a happy birthday of all days for you to join us. With that, will you just introduce yourself and tell our listeners a, a little bit about who you are and, and your journey to getting to where you are today at Brace? Of course. And thank you so much for the unique birthday shout out. Very, very kind. So again, thanks, Billy. I'm Matt McRoberts. I'm the Senior Vice President of Global Alliances at Braze. I'm one of the early employees and have been there close to eight years now and have grown, in essence, our ecosystem of key services partners like Willow Tree, as well as our tech ecosystem partnerships, in addition to a lot of our channel efforts as well over the last several years. Awesome. 
So let's talk more about your role at Brace. So because you, you covered a lot there and as an early member of Brace. So there's tech partnerships. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that's one of the reasons we love working with Braze is the flexibility to for our clients to integrate their full stack. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your position and how some of the tech partners fit in there. Of course. And I lucked out. It's uh, the kind of tech ecosystem has been so core to how Braze has gone to market from the early days. Right. As Willichie has picked up on, you were very opportunistic and understanding a lot of the macro shifts that, again, inherently have benefited Braze as the world moved from a lot of monolithic legacy technologies into much more of an ecosystem approach as APIs and agility and a lot of the benefits that that type of technology allows for. Braze has been able to really plug into that, right? And, and kind of create a whole host of really compelling integrations that extenuate our, our use cases across a, a broader spectrum. And so whether it's with data warehouses or analytics partners is how can you, again, is enrich data sets to create better engagement for consumers. That's been an exciting part of my job is being able to look into that part of the ecosystem like you all as well. Yeah. And such a, like an interesting choice to decide over the course of your relatively short history as a company you've decided to partner with and what different tech partners really build out kind of that full stack. But Taking just a step back about Braze, as Billy mentioned, Matt, you've been with Braze since before Braze was Braze. So you have been with Braze since their app boy days. And now y'all are a public company. Will you walk us through what some of the major milestones have been for you all as a SaaS company? And then talk a bit about like, why do you even exist? What's sort of the origin story? What was the original problem you were trying to solve? And what's next in terms of sort of global domination and being a big player here? Great questions. There's a lot there, Billy. So much has evolved, obviously, over the last eight years since I've been at Braze in, in the early days at Appboy. But yet, you know, at the same, the cliche, so much has kind of remained the same. I think one of the things that was central to both the founding story and I think even where we are today is this idea around conviction and belief regarding how powerful mobile was going to be in terms of both a brand's ability to reach consumers in a meaningful, personalized way, but also for consumers to really, again, is have their own experiences with brands. And that was really apparent in the early days and you know, ever so more apparent now. And I, I think the evolution for us has been, again, as I think there was a lot of macro benefits and tailwinds to the founding story. You know, Bill Magnuson, John Hyman, you know, two of the co-founders are still very much involved in the business. They had met at Bridgewater Capital, building high-frequency trading systems and really saw the opportunity. Bill was early in, in kind of the Android ecosystem. And so he was exposed to mobile at a very early stage and started to understand like what would happen if you started to apply a lot of the data streaming concepts to CRM, how could that, again, is allow brands to really start to operate in real time and, and be much more conversational and relevant and literally personalized with their consumers. And, and, that, and that was really the gateway into to Appboy in the early days. And as the category of customer engagement has continued to evolve, as Braze has been one of the emerging leaders in really defining that and how it really plugs into an overarching marketing strategy. 
lot to cover there, but what's next? Um, you know, the fast growth, we can certainly hit on some of those milestones, but where do you see Berets going, you know, as you guys expand globally, I know as a, as a big priority, but what can we expect from Berets in the coming years? You know, one of the things that's been so exciting about, you know, where I sit and what's next is just watching the partner ecosystem. You know, over the last year, eight years, it's been incredible to watch the growth of Willow Tree as well. I think, again, is being able to lean into the opportunity around engagement and ecosystem and data, you know, has, again, it's been an all boats rise philosophy. You know, for us, our, our point, Billy, to, you know, as, as you said, is like continuing to really expand. I mean, currently, you know, we talk about this in the public domain. One of the benefits of mobile, it was global out of the gates, right? App stores made it really easy for brands to create mobile presences at scale. And so we've always had a very diverse international client base. And so that continues to become really important. And again, as Willow Tree is, has the, one of the most progressive perspectives on this, it's still early days in the definition of engagement, again, is how do you integrate that into broader brand and marketing strategies? And so how do we continue to evolve and innovate as a platform becomes really important from a product standpoint. And then just, you know, again, is continued expansion from, from a channel standpoint, where are consumers going to want to have those conversations with brands on their terms? And how do you start to facilitate those in an orchestrated way? Is are some of the areas that we continue to really excite us and that we lean into. So at Willow Tree, we think of ourselves as sort of jack of all trades when it comes to CRM and customer engagement platforms. We have clients who work in Salesforce, who work in Marketo, who work in Airship. We will work in any technology that our client comes to us and that they already have adopted or that they're already using to get their channel messaging out the door. But we tell our clients all the time, and we're not shy about the fact that when we get to decide which customer engagement platform we work in to drive business outcomes for our clients and to reach their engagement goals... We choose Braze and we think Braze is absolutely the leading automated and personalized omni-channel messaging platform in market today. So we <laughs> we kind of you know toot the Braze horn all the time. But in your words, what do you think is different about Braze relative to its competitors, the Salesforce, the Marketos of the world? What does Braze do differently? How is it superior as a product? That endorsement obviously means so much. You know, and we've talked about this at length, haven't we, Billy, that like we want to really scale as a technology business. And so it was so important from the early days on to where we're at now to really find partners like Willow Tree that can truly understand the platform and really help our, our customers advance their respective digital transformation agenda. So to hear you talk around, again, is your perspective across the ecosystem and, and competitive set is, is expansive. So again, is appreciate that. You know, for us is the differentiation is it goes a lot back to that, that founding story that mobile, again, has advanced this agenda with consumers and brands in a really compelling way. And it also, it, it, it really expanded those expectations around real time. And so when you look at some of the legacy technology, it was architected before mobile was was really uh, as prolific as it is. And so inherently, Braze has a competitive advantage just based on how it was architected, the technology that it benefited from, and its ability to deliver against real-time use cases. And so that's, that's one area where more and more we hear from our customers. I think uh, another area that becomes really important, and again, as Willow Tree is very much part of this, is I think we differentiate through our people. You know, whether it's our customer success team or 
how our global support and services teams work with customers and how our partnerships teams interact with our, our, our kind of key partners and alliances is that has become culture is is very important to us. And it's become, again, a competitive advantage as, as talent in, in the technology space continues to become even much more pronounced. And I think thirdly is just this idea around how do you, again, is be empathetic to the marketer. So I think tools like Canvas that are really architected through the perspective of how can you make the marketing community and the marketing department of today that much more effective and agile to deliver against these aggressive growth agendas. And and that is inherently built into how we've architected the product over and over. And I think that's allowed us to, again, is stay front of foot in terms of making sure that we're one of those best in class innovative platforms. Yeah. It's a, you know, one of the, I know we're doing a lot of like uh, tooting horns here. <laughs> one of the things I say constantly is like, well, one of the reasons why we like Braze so much is because our clients love to use Braze so that that mar- and many of those those clients I'm referring to are in in marketing. And so we get such great feedback. It makes it easy. And I've heard Billy say this more times than I can count that you know so many of these platforms were built and created before the iPhone even existed. And yeah. so they're built for kind of a different environment. So you've pointed it out with mobile a couple of times that you guys have this very distinct advantage of, of coming in and building it in the new world. At the same time, when we're working with our clients, it's the power in the platform and maybe the gaps we see elsewhere is is really not just in your ability to drive mobile, you know, push and in-app messages, but it's really to create one system in which all channels are incorporated within kind of the, the marketing suite. And so often I will talk to clients and it's like, well, this is our push strategy. This is our email strategy. And they're kind of these disjointed things. So when I hear from clients and when we're talking to clients about the platform and really the strategy, it's like, who cares about the platform for a second? The strategy of how you should be thinking about engaging your customers. This is a unified way to do it all from in one system. And I think consumers don't care what platform is driving, you know, how you're communicating to them from email or push or SMS. They don't care. They just want the, the cliche thing we've been saying, the right message at the right time. Yeah. So not really a question there, but it's just like thinking out loud and some of the observations we see in the platform. You mentioned this earlier, and I'm really curious if you can just double click on this. Like what new channels are you guys starting to hear about? You know, we talk about email push in app messaging. And you know, I don't even want to I don't want to throw that any at you, but what new channels are you are you thinking about that and that bring kind of a whole host of new opportunities and I'm sure challenges. No, I mean, your comments are spot on about just the ability to kind of orchestrate things at scale just becomes so important. You know, for us, is there's probably kind of a couple dimensions when you look at kind of what's next is there's been this renaissance of, of sorts that you alluded to, Billy, about when you look at email and SMS as siloed channels, they were very specific to certain use cases. And then when you integrate them into an orchestrated world, they start to, again, have a renaissance of sorts. You look at innovation in SMS, whether it's MMS or the ability to, again, is insert different media. Obviously, that's happened in push. It's happened in email. So kind of continued innovation within the channel becomes really interesting for us. And what can we do in an orchestrated world is one. Two is like in-product experiences. Willow Tree is so good at helping our shared customers imagine use cases when, within app messages or content cards 
or again, as features that are inherently built in that overall product experience that advance a engagement agenda. And again, is connect with consumers in a, in a really meaningful way. And then again, as, as you referenced, it's stuff like IoT, where it's like, whether it's smart TVs, OTT in general, again, is for us, we're really curious about watching what happens with platforms like Viber or Line or Kakao or WhatsApp uh, becomes because those become really interesting for both support use cases, but also engagement use cases. So continuing to be curious about the interactions that those particular channels are, are driving with consumers is really interesting to brace. Matt, I frankly can't get over the fact that you just allowed Billy to say something that I have to like go back and argue because my brain is stuck on it. Billy said, consumers don't care what platform their messages <laughs> come from. And I totally get what you're saying. Of course, like what you mean is they don't know, is this being delivered to them via X provider or Y provider? Right. But I think they really actually do care. Like one of the things we beg our clients not to do, and it is one of the times where we get pretty passionate with them is we're like, please do not silo your channels into this platform does push, this platform does SMS, this does email. Because to Matt's point, then you can't orchestrate those channels against each other. You can't lean on personal preferences. You can't opt people out of receiving a push if they open the email. You can't default to email when they unsubscribe from SMS. You actually can't listen to preference in that way. And you can't personalize uniformly across all of those channels unless all of them come from the same place. So then when Matt talks about adding something like content cards, it's easy to just be like, oh, a content card. But it's like a content card is a pretty innovative new own channel where on one hand, it can act as almost like a native feature in an app. And on another hand, it can act as a pop-up or a way to capture information or to get a customer's attention really fast. It can also act as sort of a proxy for a preference center where you can ask a different user questions about what they're interested in. And then you can action off of their responses. So anyway, I guess I'm just like jumping to Mount's defense here to say, I think actually consumers really do care about what platform it comes out of because they care whether their experience is uniform from one place to the next. And they care whether that experience is uniform to the native app experience that they're stepping into. Like as seamless as that can all be, the better it feels as an end consumer. Yeah. You're so impressive with, with your product knowledge, isn't she, Billy? It's incredible. It's like I do this every day. <laughs> yeah. Safe space. You can call me out and challenge me. This is a safe space. You don't have to just take what I'm uh, saying. Yeah. I think Billy, to her credit, framed it right. You were, I think, exactly what she had said. It wasn't necessarily, it's the platform, right? Like whether you're orchestrating it, you know, again, is a la the canvases of the world. But you're right. You know, when you look at, you know, the obtrusiveness of a push notification, like you've long said, Billy, you know, again, as it, it pops up on your home screen, you have to build consent to allow push. Email, uh, again, is goes into an inbox, you know, in product is obviously very, very important because you need to make it, make sure that it's cohesively built into that overall product experience. And you hit it on the head. It's, it's like, how do you drive a strategy that ties that all together? It's so exciting to see, again, is how you know, pronounced your strategy ha game has gotten when, and again, helping customers break down silos where it used to be like email sat over here and acquisition sat over here. And it's like, now nah, how do you bring all that together? Cause it's really about that, that, that journey. And to Billy's point, the journey, the, the, co the consumer doesn't think, Oh, I'm, I'm top of the funnel or I'm mid tunnel or funnel and I'm being acquired or I'm being retained. It's just that it's that interaction, right. That they're having with the brands. 
Matt, one of the things as I have continued to, you know, Billy's Billy's ahead of me. Uh, we don't have to uh, hide that. As I've continued to dive into this space, and I, I've said it on this podcast a lot, where wow, I think about the marketer, and there's CDP, CRM, CEP that go to a conference, and like every vendor is saying they can do this the same exact thing or, or whatever better. And you're really intimate with the Braze product and certainly the competitive landscape. How do you think the landscape's changing in terms of all these different categories that we have and the, the different silos? And, you know, what are you guys thinking on about in terms of best in class stack versus, you know, all in stacks? Like tee up to talk a little bit about the, the cluttered space at the moment and, and where you guys think about uh, Braze and that. It is quite noisy, isn't it? With all the different acronyms and sandboxes regarding where people play. We've always had a philosophy around kind of really sticking to our, our knitting and being the best engagement platform that we can. And I think that's really benefited us because, again, as I think we would all say, there's still a lot of evolution and innovation that needs to continue to happen. The thing that's been so most most interesting, I'd love to hear your both your perspective, is when people talk around digital transformation, it's really that first step is to the cloud. And so... We have big partnerships with the, the significant cloud players, as well as the cloud data warehouses, because more and more is like that's the, the first trigger of digital transformation as, as brands start to move on their respective journeys. And so for us is we think a lot of the innovation will continue to happen around that data layer. And we're really leaning into that accordingly. When you look at just compliance and privacy and overall adherence to just where the market's headed around first-party data, that that warehouse is really the repository of data. And so we're excited about the continued innovation that we see with partners like Snowflake and, and AWS in particular. You know, the other bit is for us is like kind of data is that great currency, right? So like so much of our tech ecosystem is data in and data out. And so what we've still to try to continue to do is really democratize the ways to build integrations into Brace. So whether it's Amplitude or Looker, how do you ingest in data into Brace that you can action through our vertically integrated stack and then use a product like Currents to feed that data back out in the data ecosystem. So for us, we've continued to invest into standardizing those those ways that that partners can really build in into braze and that's another exciting area because again as per that opening comment when i interrupted billy was it allows us to look into the ecosystem and and see really interesting innovation in terms of where whether that's reverse etls which to a certain degree is a fairly nascent category that we had you know kind of early advantage in terms of understanding kind of where that was coming from and so stuff like that. An ISV program allows us to really lean into and, and focus in on category trends like that. I think sometimes when we talk about technology, it's just, it's like the murkiest picture we're talking about, like <laughs> cloud and data warehouses. Like it's easy to immediately have your brain just filled with like the fuzziest swamp of, of intangible <laughs> ideas. So take us back to something really tangible. What have been some of your favorite client success stories? What have been some of your favorite campaigns that have launched? What have been a couple of brands that just stand out in your mind because they've done really cool things on the Brace platform? What do you think of when you think in terms of client success milestones? Yeah, great question. Because that's really what it, it, it all boils down to, right? Is like, is the work. And we have the benefit of going to the Can Lions every summer 
in France, which is a annualized award ceremony where a lot of the creative agency community will judge different campaigns. So it's always a really interesting benchmark to see how integrated our business is into, again, as broader marketing strategies. For us as Braze, and again, as Willow Tree can attest to this, is we work across a number of different categories. So it's really fun to see what media and entertainment will do versus travel and hospitality versus retail. But I would argue, again, favoritism aside, is some of my more endearing campaigns are probably within the QSR space, the quick service restaurant space. You know, whether it's obviously the, you know, the infamous kind of Whopper program that that RBI Burger King ran. I used to really always showcase, you know, the Domino's pizza tracker as a as a really interesting example of how can you integrate real-time engagement into your both product and marketing experience. You know, Breeze has been at the forefront of streaming technology. You know, when you look at where Braze has really been successful, it's helping companies in really competitive categories where there's a lot of disruption, right? And so streaming to a certain degree, when you look at how long we've all known each other in the Willow Tree Braze partnership, streaming is, is again, it's, it's a new thing and it's hyper competitive and there's a lot of dollars thrown at it. And so like a lot of the examples of how streaming companies, both whether it's in the the kind of, you know, audio streaming or video streaming have done some really innovative things with the technology. Yeah. Are we lucky? Like, do we talk about these brands that we get to work with? Because I love working on some of these brands because it's the same thing I do every day. You know, it's so easy to get excited yeah. about working in QSR or streaming because this is just part of my life. And so it's a ton of fun. Sometimes I have to pinch myself of like, wow, we get to work with these brands and that, you know, 20 years ago when I was going through college, if you said like, you're going to get to work with Pepsi on, on engagement, I probably would have like, yeah, how do I, how do I get started? And so, yeah. and, and when you look at the Braze client roster, it's a lot of really cool brands that I would argue um, when I'm talking to my family, like you probably have interacted with some of the yeah. work that Braze is, is delivering at some point in your consumer life cycle. So yeah, that's exciting. It's a great way to put it. It's yeah. awesome. You know, when you're explaining, it's like you've probably interacted with this in some capacity. And dude, I got to call you out because you just kind of dropped in. You go to this festival in France and then you moved on. Uh, like, we got to <laughs> hear more about that. Like, I'm assuming you actually got to go or have been. Is that true? That is true. It's a yeah. very challenging. Tell part. me tell me more about that. Very <laughs> part of the job. Challenging part of the job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. um and again, is Willow Tree is part of the, the community that advances this creative agenda. So Can Lions have been happening for gosh over 60 years now. And as I mentioned, it's broadly a very, very large campaign uh, ceremony for creativity across the advertising community. And so over the years, what's been so interesting is so we've gone, gosh, for well over five years with Braze. And again, is to see the integration of technology. You know, it used to be that technology was never, you know, digital was like its own thing, right? As it related to whether it's outdoor or print advertising or broadcast and not a see, gosh, over the last decade, but even over the last like five years, how it's continued to integrate. You know, for us, is it's really important is Willow Tree is, has the, the eyes and the ears and the hearts and the minds of the customers, right? Pepsi is going to go to Willow Tree and really want to understand how do they get closer to their consumer? How do they meet their consumer where the consumer wants to have a conversation? How do they drive rich, compelling, immersive experiences? And so 
being at forums and interacting at festivals like the Lions really allow us to be at the forefront of stuff like that. It's so interesting. Even this week, to your point, like you can go to the celebration of advertising, which we think of as historically a very creative industry to live in. But creative industries, particularly advertising, are now just dominated by technology. And that's such a difference. Google this week announced that you can buy physical billboards or physical advertising space through Google, which is going to like just seriously disrupt the advertising agency and how we think about it. Because why would you ever not buy your physical advertising through Google? They're absolutely going to know where you should be placing the ads for X, Y, or Z cause because they just have so much data. So it's just such like, like an interesting crossroads. But I will forever say that I don't have to know how to say Can Lions Festival until I've attended myself. So whether for technology or advertising, we'll see you there next year, Matt, because Billy That's and I right. are going. That's yeah, right. We're continually pitching Willow Tree that we need to be on the on the, the the Lions train next year. So we'll see. This type of, you know, to, to have a live broadcast from the Can Lions, I know you can fill the speaking docket. It seems like we take care yeah. of itself. There we go. Now we got our pitch. We can speak to both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to switch gears, though, just a little bit, because I think you're hinting at something that is so important around discernment in the changing landscape that we're in, both discernment in how you grow your business, how you grow your customer base, how you stay true to who you are. Matt, I will say that you get a ton of praise for your leadership style. So you seem to do a really great job of balancing kind of like big picture and hard decisions with a lot of autonomy and trust and appreciation for your team. What do you think are some of the key tenets of leadership today? Ooh, good question. I luck out at Braze in the sense I have such a tenure team, which you both know, which has been incredibly exciting. We benefit also from a lot of internal movement. You know, Braze is a very exciting, agile place. So for talent management, there's constant opportunity for, for people to engage and collaborate with other departments. You know, for us is, I guess, a lot of both what I see in individual leadership traits, but also kind of collectively at Braze is just this this idea around curiosity. How can you, again, is think big picture and be able to translate a lot of that big picture to your team so that you can build strategies and scale accordingly? And, you know, whether that's the, the, the co-founders or folks across our product and innovation team across alliances, just this willingness to be curious and lean in is, I think, a, a very important attribute that, that you'll see across a lot of folks at, at Braze. It's funny is we did a whole values exercise about three years ago that was really led by our, our CEO. And he, he really solicited such good frontline feedback and talked to folks across the business to really try to extract what key attributes and, and values and leadership traits transcended across the business. And another thing was just this idea around being empathetic. What you alluded to, Billy, like really, again, is being a true team member. And it's part of how we go to market as a product. It's how we go to market as a business. I think it's how we communicate and lead as as department heads and, and business owners at Braze as well. So this idea around kind of empathy and compassion, I think, is a another really important element. I luck out in the sense that I, I benefit from an awesome team and it's helped really advance, you know, really strong best in class alliances agenda at Braze for several years now. I always like to ask this question because I think it's interesting. So Braze is consistently ranked like a best place to work. People constantly want to go there because of the culture. So you get to do what we get to do at Willow Tree, which is attract 
these just intensely strong individual contributors, at least from what I've seen, like at any given time in a hiring pool, I'm trying to figure out who's the strongest of the strong performers who come and like want to work here. But one challenge I've noticed is how do you start to transition people who are killer individual contributors? Like they just get so much shit done. They work really hard. They work really effectively into being leaders. What do you think is the difference between somebody who's awesome at their job, they just really crush it versus somebody who's awesome at being a leader? Yeah, these are great questions. Talent management is everything. When you talk around what variable can you actively manage to, again, is drive real growth, it's being able to find and retain the right people. And so having an active strategy around that becomes really important. And again, as Breeze is one of those high growth businesses like we've seen with Willow Tree as well as where you, in, again, is inherently, you're going to create layers and layers of, of management. And so again, is I think being really transparent with your teams and understanding who wants to be an individual contributor and really crush it in their own right, who wants to be really a, a team manager and go build different strategies at scale. And really, again, is matching what the business needs with what an individual really is inspired by really becomes key. It's been so rewarding over the, you know, over the years to watch individual contributors come in, you know, whether it's through one door and transcend into a, whether it's a different team, different department, or folks that have come in through a specific door as an IC or individual contributor and, and start to kind of build real scale teams We've had folks relocate, which is really awesome to see as well. Again, as a global company, where do you see global opportunities? You know, you hit it on the head, Billy, is like, I'm sure the same thing at Willowtree is like, how do you, you know, it's so much more effective and efficient to keep the talent that you have in the building and nurture them and retain them and grow them as to, you know, to go out, out, of, out of house all the time. Just like we tell our customers in terms of retaining your customers uh, and your users as well. And so, We've always uh, been very, very methodical about really working with our culture and our people and creating the leaders of the tomorrow. So it's, again, so exciting to see stuff like the Forbes Best Place to Work and stuff like that because it matters. Having been on a lot of interviews, you know, listening uh, on interviews, it's amazing how informed today's, you know, kind of working classes in terms of like looking at Glassdoor and understanding on all the different variables. So interesting. Well, Matt, we could talk about marketing and how Braze and, and how Willowtree is helping our customers all day long, but we, we love to get inside the individual a little bit. And, you know, we're all, all humans at the end of the day. And I've not met somebody that's not obsessed with a, a show at the moment and not obsessed with a, a book or, or something. So we like to learn a little bit about our guest, but I'm curious. If you could do it all over again, would you pursue the same career? Not forcing you to say yes or no, but like what other career would you love to like give a shot? Maybe a professional athlete or I don't know. What, <laughs> what would you have gone after uh, if you could do it all over again? I have two boys and a girl and I, my son just, it's back to school season. He just started seventh grade. And he's still, hey buddy, what do, you want, what, do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he still wants to be a football player. So he hasn't there you go. quite crossed that, that chasm <laughs> into, into the professional world. You know, it, it's funny. It's like, again, it's like Willow Tree High Growth. You get to interview a lot of folks. Is Technology is fun, right? Like I stumbled into the agency world and I can only imagine like how exciting is a day in the, uh, the life at Willow Tree. There's, there's probably not a better place to learn business communications than an agency. And like, for me, I had like the bulk of my career was in that. 
And I kind of was able to cross the chasm into kind of social media when that became kind of a technology that was going to change our business and now marketing technology. So for me, I like Philly, I I feel really lucky because, you know, you see why Mad Men was such a popular show because I think there really is a natural curiosity regarding kind of marketing services and agencies and kind of do what we all do is to have kind of a line towards tech, but also the services side is really cool. So I think I probably would do it again. Yeah. That's my favorite part of working in the, the agency environment is just it fills my need for constant change. Uh, I get yeah. bored so easily. And so to be able to talk to WWE one minute and then yeah. White Castle uh, in the next <laughs> conversation, it's just like, maybe there's some similarities between those. I don't know, but uh, it just is so much fun to be able to bounce through all these different challenges and opportunities. Uh, again, yeah. it fills some of my from my need for change. So I, I, I feel you on that. Matt, what's the best or worst let you pick whichever direction you want to go here, career advice you've ever received? Oh, wow. Good question. Probably the best. I'm a glass half full, so I'll, uh, I'll go with the, the optimist. Probably the best career advice. I had the benefit of working at Monster.com, which was a transformational business in its own right during kind of the original .com you know, period. And it had an incredible CMO there uh, by the name of Peter Blacklow. You know, and, and Monster really was a successful business of the internet. Like it literally revolutionized how people found jobs. And and so the internet was changing things and, and Monster was in the career side of the business. Like it was changing recruitment. And Pete always told me early days, he's like, your most valuable asset is going to be your network. And it's so funny to, you know, when you look at, again, as how Monster's evolved, LinkedIn as a platform. But I still kind of go back to those words that it, it, it's, it's really is. It's like when you look at, again, it's like how Braze interacts with like Willow Tree. When we go to an event like MAU is like the, those networks become so important. And I talk about this to my team all the time is if you don't manage your network, it's going to kind of manage you. And so like I dedicate part of my day and part of my time just to making sure that I'm I'm proactive and not a, you know, kind of a rainy day type networker because it just becomes so, so important, especially in partnerships. I think that's one of the things inherently I love about this. So yeah. Best career advice is like always be nurturing your network because it's definitely going to nurture you. I love that. And I'm going to steal Billy's question that Billy always asks. And it's my turn this time. So Billy and I argue about like who has the best loyalty program, this brand versus that brand. So we like to invite our guests to talk positive trash about a brand they love <laughs> or that you're watching doing interesting things in marketing right now. So are there, what's a brand that you just uh, love or, or currently are really into and, and is doing some cool stuff? Oh, that's so funny. It's a good question. Miles Klieger, our president and chief customer officer, and I are both Delta enthusiasts. And when you look at loyalty, the, obviously the, the airlines and travel and hospitality in particular do some really interesting things. Yeah. You know, it's so competitive. We're seeing it come back. You know, again, as I could, we've all had good travel experiences and we've all had bad travel experiences. I will say like, uh, I'll give you a little kind of interesting, like this is a good, good brand experience was taking the family on summer vacation. The lounge was just opening and there's three of us and myself. And I think with my current membership, they were able to look at it all real time, you know, through the app. My current membership, I could only get myself and one other person into the membership. 
uh, lounge. And honestly, the the gate agent was, she was very sweet about it, but she's like, I just can't. There was a line out the door, height of summer, summer holidays. We obviously know there's a lot going on. I used to like watch it just like Saturday Night Live. So I was like, there's this thing called Johnny Letter. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I told my kids, I was like, you know, hey, listen, it is what it is. I'm going to write a letter, you know? And I wrote a letter. I was really like objective. And sure enough, like two weeks later, like I got a care package from Delta just saying, hey, listen, we appreciate your feedback, so on and so forth. So it's like little things like that where it's like, you know, in the app, write a letter through the app looking at my membership through the app, communicating with a real life person, getting an in-life person. You, you know, it's just like, it was just like a really effective example where it's like, hey, you know, they, they kind of managed experience. And I guess it it always ends up in like long-term advocacy. So right. I think that, you know, the airlines in particular are always on the, on the front lines of interacting with consumers. Yeah, brands that can somehow figure out how to get, you know, in an era of bots and efficiency, to somehow figure out how to do those those light touches because it's not easy to send a care package yeah. when you're a big company you're dealing with thousands of customers. That's Chewy it. does this. The pet care brand Chewy does this with is like in remarkable ways where you know if you you lose a pet you'll get flowers or in a handwritten note about how they're they're sorry and it's like whoa like that, that's exactly. something that's so unexpected from a, a brand and uh, I think you can't ignore how hard it is as a big corporation to pull off stuff like that. So I always admire companies that are doing that. So, and yeah, Yeah. Delta till I die. So I'm, I'm with you there. (laughs) I think my last question for you, Matt, before we finally let you go is what is an industry trend that you're watching right now, particularly in marketing, but technology generally is fine. Is there anything that you're keeping a close eye on because you think it's either going to be the next big thing or you think it's going to bankrupt people and you're just kind of like watching from the sidelines? What trends are you keeping an eye on? I love this. Thank you so much for, again, is allowing me to participate. What's interesting is I, speaking of travel, as like both consumer travel and business travel started to heat up, I had the opportunity to go to Advertising Week Asia in our Tokyo office, did the can lines in France. And then we were at a, what we call it, it was called the Modern Growth Stack in Seoul with one of our partners in Seoul. And so for me, it was like fascinating, right? Because it was like kind of three distinct industry events, yet in different spots. And, you know, understanding like the unique nature of both, but also the kind of the commonality. And to your question, Billy, I don't know if I understand it just yet, but it is pretty crazy about web 3.0 NFTs and that whole world. It was like Salesforce had launched uh, an NFT cloud at Can, And so they were talking about Can, And I was still trying to get my head around like being like, what product is that? A lot of the Can buzz, you know, future facing, a lot of the billboards was web 3.0 stuff. So for me, it's like, that's like, an, <laughs> I, as a, I think we all as technologists need to kind of get, start to get our head around a little bit more in terms yeah. of, you know, a lot of people are saying, Hey, listen, obviously that's the next big thing. Snap was at can doing some really interesting activations. Obviously you had meta there. So, you know, inherently when you look at our charge as where we all sit and how do brands interact with consumers in, as Billy said, the right, right place is I think stuff like that becomes interesting for us to start to get our, our literal heads around. Matt, how do you receive email in the metaverse? 
Yeah, no, no kidding. That's a problem for another day. We're not going to even go there. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't, yeah, to be fair, I don't know that I want my email inbox in the metaverse. Imagine, yeah. I don't think I do either. So yeah, a lot to continue to learn. I guess that's what makes the, the industry we work in so much fun and so tiring at times. But yeah, <laughs> usually these new uh, kind of new things end up resulting in, in a lot of new opportunity and a lot of new challenges. So Matt, on your birthday, which I give you, you get five bonus points for joining us on your birthday. We're super grateful for your time and certainly the partnership with Braze. And uh, yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much to you both. It was wonderful. Can't think of a better way to celebrate with you both. So thank you. Thank you.